Hey, everyone, before we get started, I just want to remind you that we are 90% of the way funded to our uh, Kickstarter campaign for new live streaming equipment. If you can help us out even with just a couple of dollars, please log on to trib.it slash kickstreaming and give us a quick donation. Thanks so much. Texas talking oh, What was that that you said? Texas talking oh, Gonna hoop up beside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys Welcome to the Tribcast. This is Paul Brown at YNN in Austin, host of the nightly political TV show Capital Tonight, where politicians, pundits, and policy wonks indirectly help keep my kids in college. And now, here's your host, Reeve Hamilton. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the third week of October. And thanks to Paul for doing that. He often has us on his show, which is a real show, so the least we can do is An have him An actual good show. Have him on this thing. <laughs> I'm joined by editor Emily Ramshaw. Good day. Reporter Jay Root. <laughs> Howdy. And Jim Henson of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin Jeez. and the Texas Tribune. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Greetings. I'll just say one thing. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't one thing. Uh, well, we are we are in the midst of a week, at least in Austin, of torrential rain. <laughs> and so conveniently... So we clearly don't need any water funding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a reporter send me a question, a follow-up question for a story. Does the rain make it worse? Well, let's get to that after you explain <laughs> what you've been polling about and what what it found. So with the support of the Meadows Foundation, the UT Texas Tribune poll did kind of a special one-shot on water and the water proposition that's going to be on the ballot in November. Uh, and we found, I think not to very many people's surprise, a lot of support for it uh, in a vacuum, 52% in favor, 19%. Uh, opposed and sort of everyone else either not having any idea what we're talking about or saying they hadn't thought about it. They're just not thirsty. But even, right. even if they all came down on the side of opposed, you still have a slight edge for in favor of it, right? 50 Oh, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. A slight edge. And, you know, the tricky thing about this is, as I think everybody that's written about this has said, is Why are you, you pointing at Todd when you say that? Is that you don't really know how many – I was just doing a, one of those hand gesture things <laughs> – but it wasn't the one you were talking about. It was the pointy one. Um, you have to figure out who's going to turn out and vote on a constitutional election. Turnout is tremendously low on these last – in the two, 2011 election, less than 4 percent of the eligible elector, electorate turned out to vote. If one of these things is a huge gangbuster election, maybe you get 15 to 18. So you have to look at that 52-19 and then start filtering out. You know who you think is going to show up using likely voter screens. I think if you do that, you look at support being you know really probably settling in the low sixties. I mean, is anybody paying very close attention? We've had Rick Perry, you know, sort of trotting from water source to water source in Texas to to promote this. We have Strauss has his you know pack. I mean, how much are voters attuned to what's happening, or is that sort of just a dog and pony show that doesn't matter in the end? Well, they're not very attuned to it. I mean. Uh, I think the trick here that we've been seeing going for a while is that the the trade groups and the people that have been interested in this are planning on the low turnout election and they're mobilizing their troops and have been for a while. I gave a talk to a professional association last week that's interested in this. And clearly their members all had, you know, vote yes on six buttons. I sat and watched panelists after panelists in their government affairs thing talk about how important it was. I think there's a lot of that going on. 
because it's a low turnout election and people are assuming that the public isn't going to isn't going to be too tuned in. So how do, how do you pick up whether or not somebody really is going to vote? And, and Do they and, live in Houston where there's a mayor's race? For example. Um, oh, yeah, that would be, yeah. That's yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's a certain amount of reading tea leaves. I mean, the, the technique you use is you ask a set of questions that you can use to build filters. So we ask, you know, how often do you vote? You know, what is your tendency to vote? That's one way of predicting. Uh, how much attention do you pay to current affairs? How, or do you, do you pay to politics? How much have you heard about this constitutional election? And you you can take those. Those give you three or four responses each, and then you can mix and match those. There's a great table in the in the piece we wrote in the Tribune, and there's an interactive version of it at the Texas Politics website at UT. So and you're you're predicting passage, easy passage. Um, I you know I'm saying that right now it looks pretty much like uh, something would have to really shift for it to for it to not pass. If you all the likely voter screens we ran, you know, you couldn't really get it down below 29% in favor. What, what, about Ted, what if Ted Cruz embraced it? <laughs> well, that would probably help, since the only real pocket of, op- a pocket of opposition, and it's not a very big one, is right. among extreme conservatives the Tea Party folks. and, right. Right. and have, some Tea Party folks. You have, like, Deborah Medina and her group We Texans have been pretty active in opposing this. But don't we sort of think of them as the hyper-engaged sorts that would definitely vote? Well, we do, and I think that is one of the. I think that is one of the the things that is giving the the trade groups some pause. Well, they, they may turn out more even in the primary setting than they do in the in the general random general. The like thing this. is, even even among that group, Reeve, you still only got about twenty nine percent opposition. I mean, I think there's some. Pardon me. There's some cross cutting cleavage here, and that on one hand you've got this. They're, ins- they're very emotional. I, it makes, I get choked up whenever we talk about the tea cleavage. party and, and cleavage, and cleavage. Yes. <laughs> cross cutting or otherwise. Um, my wife tends to not listen to the tripcast. Um, Good thing, uh, even though she's done an introduction. So, uh, you know, basically you've got Tea Party members that on one hand don't want to spend money on anything, are suspicious of big government spending dipping into the rainy day fund but you've also got a lot of rural and and suburban uh tea party folks and tea party folks from north texas where the water issue is kind of important and so does the rain make a difference (laughs) (laughs) i you know i think it might it might a little bit but not a lot one way or another somebody someone out there might say oh well it's been raining we don't need water. For Clearly, it. we got like someone will inches. do that. Did you see what ACL looked like? Yeah. yeah, to the extent that every time you know the weather cools off, people say there's no global warming. It could make a difference around the edges. <laughs> Call me an eternal optimist. I'm hoping that that's not very many people. Are you making a formal stance on climate change here on the Turbcast? I'm afraid I am. Are you Are you <laughs> making a formal stance on your position as an eternal optimist? Uh, no, that's that's informal. I'm, formal stand on climate change, informal on optimism. That could change. Can you tell it, which it could of, change by the end of this trip, cast. Can you tell which of the three of us is going to vote based I, on based my, on just visual cues? Yeah, I think all three of you are going to vote. <laughs> okay, that's oh, not really? a that, visual. That's, really that's, a, that's eternal optimism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad you left out Todd. I think Todd's going to vote too. Oh, nice. What, that is that's great. Uh, did you look at any of the other <laughs> constitutional amendments? No, we did not. Should we look for that in the future? Only if you've got a big check to write to Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Not to me. Yeah. To the Tribune. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on. Then. Start a Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, looking forward to the next election, the primary election, uh, the lieutenant governor's race is probably the hot race right now as far as primaries are concerned. Muy caliente. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we haven't gotten to the issues yet. That's just the candidates. Uh, what's the latest on that? We have uh, David Dewhurst has had an interesting week. Can you fill us in on that a little bit, Jay? Um, I don't know if I can or not. <laughs> I can fill um, you in on it. Go ahead. Well, you can you fill Jay in on it? <laughs> sure. David Dewhurst went to, you know, this he, said David, he wanted to impeach he Obama. To impeach, I saw uh, that. You gave up the chance to I'm fill sorry. I mean, I did see if that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Dewhurst went, to the, Dewhurst went to Tarrant County for a Tea Party event, and he was quoted saying that um, he thought that Obama should be impeached over Benghazi and a whole sort of litany of other factors. Uh, it's, it's unclear whether any of the other candidates who were also at this forum said the same thing. Did he say a litany of specific other factors or just a litany of other factors? Uh, he said he named some specific ones, including health care. He recited the litany. Yes, there were three. I think sure there were three. Did. There were three things that he remembered to say. Benghazi. Benghazi, health care. Specifically choosing winners and losers in health care. Correct. And that, that actually, counts as one thing. And I can't remember the third thing. <laughs> You're in <laughs> <Truly>. Hilarious. <laughs> I really can't remember the third thing. Oops. I don't think I don't know if there was really a third thing. Uh, there were three things that he said. Okay. Anyway, regardless, Morgan wrote a story about it. Um, and this got quite a lot of attention on our website. I think the only other, um, I think, Republican in Texas recently who's come out saying something sort of along these lines was Blake uh, Farentold who said he didn't think it was a good idea, but he thought that the House, they had the votes in the House to impeach Probably Obama. the only Republican who's come out saying that in with a recorder around. Or wearing pajamas, yeah. footed yeah, so pajamas. Only, only Republican to be photographed in pajamas. Uh, Ted Cruz even has sort of been like, impeachment is not the thing we need to be focused on. We need to be focused on defunding Obamacare or shutting down the government, I guess. But I mean, so Dewars is out to the right of Ted Cruz and... Everyone else Better running, than never. <laughs> running for a lieutenant governor <laughs> on this issue, does this help him or hurt him? You know, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, he um, has just really been – it just seems like with Dewhurst that since he lost to Cruz that he, he, he really is grasping at trying to be, you know, that conservative that everybody wants. And he's in a competitive primary now. And – that's not where you want to be if you're the incumbent. I also think if you're gonna if you're gonna take a stance that strong, you really got to land it. And he definitely didn't, right? I mean, I don't know. None of us were actually in the room. We don't know how it was. Right. Received. Chris Hooks of the Texas Observer, former Tribune intern, was the did a lot of the reporting on this before he was escorted out of the event. I think too many people saw him tweeting, and then suddenly he was booted. Uh, so we don't know how Same well thing happened to him here at the Tribune. But you know, do her staff? You know, they those folks weren't even necessarily in the room where it happened, and they were pretty quick to confirm it to us. So I think this only plays well, obviously, with the base. I don't think it hurts him. Yeah, really. Even though he got he got a pants on fire for uh, saying there was a live stream of the Benghazi attack in Politifact. I don't know if that hurts him. Yes, Politifact, Politifact. the kiss of death for conservatives. You're killing <laughs> just, me. You know, like on uh, on Fox 7, I was watching Fox 7 last night, and they had a camera on him after his comments, and they were Paul like... Paul Brown is going to be really offended. No, I usually watch YNN, but it was my roommate had the channel. Blame it on the roommate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he chose no. the channel against... Oh, I was, you know, out of commission. But... Uh, <laughs> The, uh, How he has most well, evenings yeah. after work. And, and what did it show? The cameraman went up to Dewars and they said, so what are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, look, I have to follow – I'm an elected official. I have to follow laws. And and they were like, OK, so why should Obama be impeached? And he goes, ah, it's a conversation to have later and then walked away. And it was like, if, you gotta, if you're going to say impeachment, you got to do it. It's sort of like where we have all this sort of iffiness around the impeachment of Wallace Hall because people can't quite nail down exactly – 
the issue. What he did. Yeah, that he's going to be impeached on, you know, or if he is going to get to that point. Right now they're just investigating it and they're going to have hearings about it next week. But it just seems like you got to hire Ed Segway. I know, but I think uh, I think maybe, you know, like Jay Patterson had his sort of nutty thing earlier this week that is going to play well with folks where it was sort of he said we need to toss four states out of the union. Right. But he's like, look, I'm kidding. But it still sort of shows you he's a conservative with a good sense of humor. The, the not, thing, yeah, not but, saying like a, a strongly worded like we need to impeach the president and not being able to follow up on that. Well, but see, again, that that's what I think is is kind of the spectacle that we're looking at. I mean, everybody expects Jerry Patterson to kind of say edgy, sort of nutty stuff, mm-hmm. some of which he, he says he's kidding about and some of which he's not kidding about. Um, everybody sort of expects, you know, uh, Dan Patrick to be a bomb thrower. I mean, he's been a bomb thrower the entire time. But with with Dewhurst, we've sort of seen this moderate figure governing. And then now, you know, after the Ted Cruz defeat, we see this just lurching to the right as quick as he can. With abortion and, and everything and else. It's, yeah. And, and I, I think the question would be, for example, on in-state tuition. Now he wants to abolish in-state tuition. Well, that in-state law... state tuition for... I'm sorry, for, for undocumented. Uh, Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> for undocumented <laughs> in- immigrants. Um, and it, it's been on the books since 2001. He's been lieutenant governor since 2003. I mean, this hasn't been something that he's been demanding at the beginning of any session that I've been at, uh, have attended. And Jay's and, been at many. And yet, and yet. You know, now this has become a big issue. And and so to to me, the question would be, are these credible are these credible sort of proposals, you know, far right or staunchly conservative proposals coming from someone who rightly or wrongly is seen as more of a moderate? I'd I'd love your opinion on that. Well, I mean, you know, I I would quibble a little bit with the presentation of, of Dewhurst as a moderate. I mean, I think he was just kind of a mainline conservative who got outflanked on the right and was overtaken by events, but that's a minor thing. I mean, I think you I think you put your finger on something really interesting in the lieutenant governor's race and frankly, in a Republican primary and what the what the Republican primary electorate looks like now. And that is for all that urban intellectuals don't think it matters, authenticity is a huge mm-hmm. factor in the Tea Party primary and that I think that's what you're getting at. It's one thing to just jog to the right and com- continually try to push the right end of the spectrum in a Republican primary and be more conservative than the other guys, but they have to believe it. And I think that's the problem that Dewhurst has. Dewhurst has an authenticity problem. And I think that that's, that is a problem that Patterson and Staples don't have in that race. And I think that it's something Hell, that, I don't even think Patrick's got that problem. But Patrick, well, had that, Patrick, Patrick had that endorsement of, or sort of going yeah. after Cruz mm-hmm. and backing Dewars, and now it's trying to walk back. I, I, believe, yeah, I believe Patrick is a little more vulnerable on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, there's all this fire breathing that goes on, but you've also got a guy that, you know, changed his name, uh, is part has been part of the talk radio kind of shock jock complex, and is now talking about you know, family values and all this kind of business. And I think the other campaigns are pushing that. I mean, I'm not being a campaigner here. I mean, I think you're already seeing the other mm-hmm. campaigns push on that. And it's a very interesting dynamic. There, there are campaigns that will only refer to him by his, his original last name. Right, right. exactly. Go. I don't know what it is. Go. I mean, I, I accept him as Dan Patrick. It's not my problem. I mean, I, He did legally change his name. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the one of the interesting dynamics there is that the Tea Party people, they're purists. They're demanding authenticity and the real thing and that's Dewhurst's problem i think but uh, and but this seems to push them to uh areas where even abbott won't go right i mean what did you think of his take on in-state tuition this week 
<laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Jim. I'll, I'll I'll tell mine after you tell yours. Why don't, why don't we have well, why don't you leave the room, yeah. sort of like the newlywed? <laughs> well, game. you know, I mean, I mean, this, this is going to sound horribly. I mean, you know, we just. The Tribune just posted a piece we wrote that I think immigration is a real. That does sound horrible. I know. <laughs> Imagine how I feel. Yeah. Um, you know, Abbott is in, a, is in a difficult position on immigration. I think he has spent some of the campaign already looking forward to the general election. And I think all the talk about immigration and much more restrictive and in some ways, as I think it's incendiary talk in the lieutenant governor's race actually bled over and put Abbott in a, in a hard spot where he had to sort of take a position and then kind of took a fuzzy position on that based on on the comment that that his campaign submitted to Jay late mm-hmm. the night that this all came up last week and it it basically exposes a difficulty I think for the Abbott campaign you wrote about it Jay what'd you think I thought what was interesting about it was that all day long and I I found out after the fact that I wasn't the only reporter who was doing this um but all day long we were trying to get an answer from the Abbott campaign about where he stood on in-state tuition. I mean, it seems in, on one level it, it's pretty uh, it's a pretty easy question in the sense that yeah, but a political it's landmine on the books. Though it is the law is on the books, and so it's it's not like you it's have not a hypothetical. And, and not only is it not a hypothetical, but it was a huge issue in the 2012 presidential race. And if you you talk to the Perry people, and they'll say, "Look, we were dead when Oops came along, and the reason we were dead." by the time oops came along is that the in-state tuition uh you know landmine blew up on us and and i i can remember talking to some of the people some republicans who were close to both perry and abbott who were marveling in in, in a bad way at how uh perry did not have an answer to that beforehand like, how could you go into a debate like that mm-hmm. and not have a better answer well by the same token, how could Greg Abbott, how could his campaign, you have to wonder in a way, how could they not have a position ready for the for public dissemination? Sooner or later, that's going to come up. Plus, it, it had been raging for several days uh, in the lieutenant governor's race. And yet we call and it's like, I mean, it was radio silence. It was nothing. I, we, nobody got anything, any calls back, nothing. And, I, and I'm, I'm told from other reporters that the same thing happened. And then very late at night, like literally like 1030, almost 11, we get uh, a statement that can be read a whole bunch of different ways, which is basically is sort of a version of mend it, don't end it, which I don't know if you remember that, that Bill Clinton applied that to affirmative action. But, you know, another hot potato was like, let's figure out some way to split the baby here. This sort of this sort of tracks with what Staples answer because he's the only one of the candidates that voted for the actual law and he said i voted for it but it hasn't but it needs to there are elements of it that sort of didn't work that need to be fixed right? but but at some point don't you have to, isn't he going to have to say what that I means I mean, or i guess can you vague it up all the way to november i was I guess gonna say you, you think he thought maybe he could get through the primary without having to address it right i mean i i think i think he a, can i can he, he can get through the primary without having to do a lot of things. Right. right. So maybe his assumption was just that, you know, he didn't need to say anything at all. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I guess that's true. But, I mean, you know, he's – I've got to think that Greg Abbott is not at all worried about his primary. Mm-hmm. I just – I have to think that. Mm-hmm. And I know that Tom Pawkin, uh former Republican Party chairman – uh, wants to, to be competitive. He's obviously struggling to raise money, um, and he's certainly been an, an energetic 
um, an active opponent uh, of Greg Abbott, but whether you know he's he's at zero or one percent in in the polls, and so you have to think that that Greg Abbott is thinking right now that that his opponent is Wendy Davis, and so if that's right. the case. Does this answer make sense? And and I, that's what I, I mean know. about Does getting it? through the primary. Though he doesn't really have to take any kind of hard line on this because he's going to have to have a more sort of middle of the road response by the time that he gets through the primary. Well, yeah. So the problem is, does he does he have does he get kind of pushed into this? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, only if you ask people about in state tuition, GOP primary voters only only approve of in state tuition for you know within the rubric of this program more or less at a rate of about twenty percent. So, you know, as you said, Emily, it's a minefield for Abbott. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he would really, you know, their ideal strategy would be for, you know, the, the lieutenant governor candidates to basically just hush, stop. Right. Yes. Yeah. Please, it's, please uh, keep quiet. Doesn't, you know. doesn't it seem like this is exactly the kind of position you'd expect him to take in a general election? And it seems like it's a perf- it's you can make it make sense. Staples has sort of made it make sense. But you have to realize, though, that it's a complete you- repudiation of what Texas was not so long ago. I remember when George W. Bush said family values don't stop at the border, you know, and, and, and when Rick Perry was very proud of the in-state tuition uh, law. And, and of course, during the presidential race, they were like, God, geez, I wish we hadn't done this. It was right before 9-11. It was in the session that but ended so right before the 9-11 attacks after which this became increasingly unpopular, then the economic downturns, and then it became a huge liability. It, it, um, didn't, it didn't become increasingly unpopular after 9-11, did it? They, they revamped well, the well, law in 2005. What, what I mean is Without that, any oppos- – like, with virtually no opposition. But how can you take a strong stance on this right now against and be trying to do all this dramatic sort of outreach into the I'm Hispanic not, community? Well, see, and that's what's so interesting well, about right. it is the day before, on, on Wednesday – he been in the Valley? Or no, he was in Houston – and uh, appeared with the uh, Republican National Committee, and their and, and Aaron Pena uh, oh, right. was there, and he's the new ch- the chairman of this new outreach group. Um, and so, at the very moment that they're rolling out their their big effort right, to appeal initiative. to Latinos, it's like, okay, here's a huge divisive issue for but you. But there's but there's nothing very I mean, I, there's nothing very surprising about this, right? Right. I'm not convinced that it's not necessarily – I mean, like. You don't have to. Does he have to come out and say I'm against this for it to be a strong stand? He basically said it's a good idea, and we need to tweak some things, which is maybe a bit wishy-washy. But maybe that's, you know, what he thinks the answer is. It's not. It is a stand. It's a totally substantive position on the issue. Well, it could be. Yeah. I mean, if it put a little bit of meat on the bones and say, look, this 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 needs to be changed, and 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 you're right that once you get past the primary, which again you're not worried about. And you can say, yeah, I think this is a good thing. That's it, it's as he said, it's noble. Yeah. Well, he said it's noble. Really so, so if you're worried, I guess if you're worried about a primary and you're calling a program noble that a lot of people don't think is noble at all. Um, right. It's just one step away from saying that you're heartless if you don't believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I still think that underestimates what's going on inside the Republican Party mm-hmm. right now, which is that there is a real difference between. The folks that are designing the outreach strategy, the folks at the press conference, you know, mm-hmm. Aaron Pena, uh, the people that are thinking about the long term of Latino outreach and what's going on in the Republican base. I mean, it is, you know, 
completely. I mean, you ask about you know the right. the nuance and the Abbott answer. None of that nuance is present in public opinion in the Republican Party right now. Republican primary voters are restrictive on immigration. They are against in-state tuition by you know seventy five, eighty percent. Um, they oppose comprehensive immigration reform because of the path for, to, to citizenship. It's like right. clockwork. And I, I got some. I got several tweets where people were saying, you know, no amnesty. That they they look at this as amnesty. Yeah, know, in-state tuition is amnesty, and, and so. it matters. And that's the other piece of this that I think we've left out. That is, if you go and you ask people in our polling, what is the most important problem facing the state? Overwhelmingly among Republicans and among Republican primary voters and especially among Tea Party voters, it's immigration and border security. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, look, is it going to lose Abbott the primary? No. But if you're looking at a race that may be a little more competitive than you thought, this is more bad news. It's more bad news in, in a in a you know, in a general a tur- election a turnout perspective. and in a gen- yeah in a turnout because people are like let, let's say he's in a debate with Wendy Davis and he says nice things about immigrants um, that could that could he's hurt sort him, of he, you know? then he sort of does is that sort of him doing to Democrat like you know Bill White camp comes in and basically says I'm don't worry I'm about me I'm just a Republican as the Republicans so then everyone just votes for the Republicans right right is that him coming in and be like oh well then forget it if, if it's just two liberals up there right. and Democrats mm-hmm. and, and and more importantly Democrats don't show up right well and, well and then but then you could also let, let's say that then you have uh, Deb Medina let's say that she flips and runs as an independent then all of a sudden She's an independent you know, gubernatorial candidate. Then it's like, oh well, you know, she's against in-state tuition. Right. Um, so let's just vote and for her. And that's why I mean, look, I, I agree with you, Reeve. I mean, I, I think the Abbott position, like the Staples position, it's a perfectly coherent, reasonable position from a policy perspective, and from a you know rational perspective of asking somebody, well, what do you think about it? Well, I think it's okay, but it could be a little better. Yeah, right? but I'm sure there are perfectly rational solutions to the government shutdown, and look how that's going. Well, <laughs> right. you're talking about having meat on the bones of some of these. I mean, he hasn't exactly laid out any policy proposals yet. Well, see, that that's that's the thing. That, the, the, the impression that I get that one of, one of the problems that people cite on there is that there's a little checkoff box when you get in-state tuition as an undocumented immigrant that says you're going to apply for permanent residency. Of course you don't uh, qualify you know i mean like so it goes nowhere they throw them out or whatever although i guess with with the 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 executive action that obama took uh, gives these people more time and allows them to work for a certain amount of time but i don't believe that they're applying for what it is they say they're applying for the question is how do you fix that i mean how do you fix that as a state it's one of those things that that you know, apparently it's not followed up on. But if you if you did follow up on what what would it what would you accomplish? Just take the take the box off the form, and then no <laughs> one's promising anything they can't follow through with. You know, I think from a political perspective, you know, it's instructive to think about how Rick Perry addressed this. I mean, you talked about how you know he got in trouble for it in the presidential campaign, but immigration. I mean, this this sense of we were talking about the timeline of when people started thinking more restrictively about immigration, particularly right. in the in the Republican Party. It was impacted by the rise of the Tea Party. Rick Perry very effectively rode that wave. Mm-hmm. And the way he rode that wave was by finding an issue that cut across all these things and that, and that you know, honestly kind of barely made sense. And sanctuary, that was sanctuary cities. cities. Yeah. Can, can we, before we get into the sanctuary city rabbit hole, can we cut over to the Democrats and do a couple of minutes on uh, the entrance of Kinky Friedman onto the Democratic ticket or trying to get on the talk Democratic about a lack ticket? Of, talk about a lack of authenticity. 
I mean, seriously, there could there could not be any candidate more opportunistic than Kinky Friedman. This is because Kinky Friedman previously ran as an independent. He ran as an governor. independent. He endorsed Perry in the presidential. Now, now race. this is interesting. His campaign denies this. What? Oddly, uh, I have a recollection of us writing a story about it with his yeah. uh, quote. I did write that story, and uh, <laughs> oh, you did. Well, he he wrote a column in the Daily Beast saying Perry for president, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty unambiguous. I guess he's a humorist; he could say he was joking, uh, but I don't think that's going to. No, fly I mean there people. were. He wrote at length about how you know the Texas's economic situation, you know, was largely credited to having someone strong at the helm. He totally endorsed Rick Perry. And now here we have him, you know, trying to ride Wendy Davis's coattails and also, taking he, a shot at Ag Commissioner. He also previously took a shot at Ag Commissioner as a Democrat, so he has run as a Democrat before. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- does this? Is there anything he could do in terms of bringing independents or non-traditional voters onto the Democratic uh, ticket? Not that there's really a ticket, but you know what I mean. In a vacuum, maybe. You know, with this talk about pot legalization, et cetera, but it's not going to happen in a vacuum. I mean, I think, um, you know, there are trade-offs, you know, which is, you know, on one hand, you have a, a Democrat at the top of the ticket, most prominent Democrat, probably, you know, one of the better candidates, you know, if not the best candidate they've had in several cycles, at least from the perspective of how it looks now. Um, and then you have somebody who is... Um, you know, epitomizes really everything that's bad about politics right now. You know, he's not serious. He's opportunistic. He's self-serving. Um, he's completely personality-driven to the extent that you want to – that makes sense to call him that. Um, I think he's uh, he's absolutely a net liability. And He, he would um, be a liability. But did, doesn't he have a competition in the primary? Isn't there a Democrat? Another? I thought there was another Democrat that I was think running for right now it's sort of uh, – the Democratic ticket is sort of lining up – Without any primaries so far. I mean, we have John Cook for land commissioner, uh, Sam Houston for AG, Letitia Vanderpoot for LIGOV. I mean, these are Maybe. all hypotheticals, yeah. right? Except Mike Collier right. for comptroller. I thought there, was, thought there was another ag commissioner <laughs> right. Democrat you know, there, there, candidate. To be honest I, with you, I, I can't I remember. There were rumors, I thought, at, at, at one point, right. but I, I don't think there's anybody really – so there's still time. I mean, the 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 filing deadline, I mean, and it may it may behoove the Wendy Davis's supporters to find somebody to to try to beat right. Kinky Friedman because you you would sort of have this spectacle of you know the, the Republicans would be able to say oh the Kinky Friedman ticket because for, you know Kinky is 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 pretty well known. I mean, is there actually. anything he could do to turn the perception that he's not serious around? I don't think so. He's he's running on pot legalization and legalizing right. casino gambling, I mean, which I think that- are things he issues he takes very seriously. He definitely believes in those two things, but I think the fact that the pot legalization is really, like, on the top of his platform basically means that this is a no-go. I mean, you know, look, I mean, I think actually if we went out and, you know, there, there, there's been some polling done real, re- recently that shows that people's attitudes are easing up on pot legalization. Mm-hmm. I think that's only part of the problem. The, the problem is not just the message. It's the messenger, right? I mean, you know, he's had his shot and people weren't buying it. And I think that 
Well, buying it is the key term. I mean, he's basically doing this so that he can continue to sell, sell books and, and T-shirts and cigars. And, yeah, I mean, you know, he, it's like every other year he runs for something so he can have an income for a few months. And it, and it and it boosts his name Allegedly. recognition for. Allegedly. And it boosts name recognition <laughs> for other products he's got. It actually, you know, I guess coincidentally, I was looking on Amazon just that just on a hunch, and it turns out, of course, that about a month ago he he's re-released two compilations of stuff that he's done before. I have a Kinky Friedman doll. Do you think it'll go up in value or down in value? Sell it now. Action figure doll. Yeah. It's signed as well. We would like to uh, encourage listeners to email questions and comments. <laughs> to jroot at. <laughs> <laughs> to tribcast at texastribune.org. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. They are awesome. Oh, you I, saw them live. I right? still want my CD. I still want my CD. Uh, can't you just buy the album on iTunes? He, I Henson wish got a free. Hen, look, look, you didn't say anything. You got a free CD. I know you did. I, well, I did. I heard guys, that. I heard guys, about CDs. it. I heard about it. <laughs> I worked in record stores for a long time, pal. I know how yeah. to get a promo. Yeah. How do you think he got all this polling knowledge? <laughs> I'd like to thank Jim and Jay and especially Emily and especially. Todd. Especially. Oh, Todd. Just, Todd got an especially also. Yeah. <laughs> Emily and Todd for sitting through this unserious thing that we're just using to promote. Our own podcast, I guess. Uh, our own it. action figures. Yeah, our own action <laughs> figures. I have a tequila coming out soon. <laughs> All right. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Just part of Evan Smith's package is all yes, you need. The Evan Smith package. <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew the moment yeah. that I said that word, we were going to be in trouble.